So Apex House Churches have been around for, gosh, what now? Um, a little over about 15 years now, right? Yeah. And so with that, we started off, for those of you who don't know our story, we started off as a, a church plant amongst young college students and young professionals. Uh, and it quickly moved into a megachurch. Um, to a point where we had our own space. And the elders at the time realized that if they were to stand before the Lord, they were not going to be able to answer that they were making disciples well. And it was at that point that they began to discover house churches, these, these small little communities of brothers and sisters of believers who are living life together um, on mission within, within their geographical kind of community. And we went through this process then of decentralization. And in that process of, of decentralization, we brought in various people who were also kind of experts in this way of doing church. And we were at the kind of the forefront in a lot of ways within the missional movement in the United States. As we'll talk about in a minute, uh, with our friend Mike Green, who's now on staff. He was kind of at the forefront of that in Europe and then was at the forefront of bringing that into uh, the United States. And we kind of discovered it a little bit on our own. It wasn't like we were looking for it. It was more like God said, hey, this is what I have for you. And every step of the way, it's been us asking, okay, God, what is it that you have for us next? And so we, we brought in guys at the very beginning, like Al Hirsch, if you are familiar with him. He's written books like 5Q and The Permanent Revolution and The Shape of Things to Come. And Neil Cole, who's written about organic discipleship and has also been a, a thinker within the house church movement. We've worked with people in India and other parts of the world um, within house church uh, life, um, learning from the global church. Uh, we've worked with people like t for t Training for Trainers, and Jeff Sundell. Uh, we've worked with the Navigators. But long and short, we've had a lot of different exposure, and there's been a lot of trial and error. And in this process, one of the things that we realized is that we really didn't have a mechanism, a vehicle for leadership development. And one of the things that Mike says is that your multiplication happens as fast as your leadership development happens. And that was one of the things that we realized pretty early on. Uh, and, and so we began exploring differing ways to develop leaders. And one of the things that we realized, and I know by the time that I came on staff, was um, doing this way of missional church requires a different way of doing not just discipleship, but also leadership development. And so I came from a seminary world. And so when I came on staff, what I did was I just did the seminary type thing, a traditional or even a more attractional model of development through classes. And that just, it wasn't, it wasn't working and it wasn't transferring what it was that we were wanting to accomplish. And so back in 2013, I believe, um, stumbled across uh, 3DM and Mike Breen and um, his book, Building a Discipleship Culture, uh, and just called them up uh, one day. Actually, we had just finished having one of our shepherds retreats and uh, was planning on uh, booking the next year's retreat. 
and thought, hey, these guys seem to be pretty good and seem to be a little bit of a hot commodity. I should probably get them in a little bit sooner rather than later. So I called up to Pauly's Island, South Carolina, and I talked with uh, Sam Breen, Mike and Sally's son, and he mentioned this whole concept of a learning community. And um, we began to explore that. And what sets a learning community apart from a, a traditional way of doing leadership development is that you're, one, trusting that people are already in the middle of doing the missional work. And so it's how do you create a, a space for them in which they can process first in a deep dive setting where they're getting new information and new practices, but then also through continual and ongoing coaching in which they're working with someone who's a few more steps down the road than them. Uh, and they can reflect with them and begin to do, uh, begin to put these things into action. And so we began to explore that. And in the exploration of that, we, we first started off with a, a broad rollout. And in that broad rollout, um, we invited, I think, all of the house churches to join. Um, and we had about 30 of the house churches join. And we went to our first uh, learning community immersion. So that's what we call the deep dive. And real quick, in that deep dive space, there's three different kind of social spaces. And what I mean by that is there's three, we, we humans process at varying levels. And you see this in Jesus's life. There's, there's processing and teaching and learning that's happening in the crowds. And then there's also processing and teaching and learning that's happening amongst, say, the 12. And then there's also processing and teaching and learning that's happening amongst the few. And so in the learning community, we call that large crowd space a public space or a teaching space. And then that kind of 12 number, we call that a social space where people are beginning to take the things that they're learning in the teaching and putting them into practice. And then finally, we have what we call a huddle, which is a small space for a, a few people to process what it is that they're hearing from God and what it is that they're going to do about that. And in that rollout, um, we, we brought in first um, through 3DM, uh, friends of ours, Cesar Kalinowski and Ben Hardman and Gino Kirchturo. And um, we just began walking through that first fundamental level of building a discipleship culture. Um, through learning some tools and what Mike calls the life shapes and it, it kind of started off really well, and people, people really kind of were attracted to it. But at the same time, you know, we realized in retrospect that, you know, we still kind of had some elements of a traditional or even attractional model uh, within our body and within our leadership. And this approach that we are moving forward with is truly underneath the missional model. And so within that, we began to have some tension and some conflict. And, and through that process, we, um, we ended up reducing that initial level of the learning community from those first 30 house churches down to seven house churches. And that was intentional um, because when we actually looked at how we started the house church movement at Apex, it started off with the small. So I would say that was one of our first mistakes is that we actually, we actually tried to change the whole system 
too quickly, as opposed to kind of having a mustard seed principle and starting off small and from there building out. And so that's what we've done over the last uh, several years. We're now just finishing up our second round of the learning community. And the first round of the, of the learning community, what we also call the equipping community, so in case there's some interchangeability there, you understand that we're saying the same thing. Um, we went from that 30 to that seven, and we, we're going through that for the purposes of learning how to lead it ourselves and learning how to lead it ourselves as the church as opposed to a group of professionals. So there's only a couple people who are on full-time staff who are part of this, and it's, it's entirely um, kind of community-led as opposed to staff-led. And, and, so, um, and then so through that, then we, that, that's, those seven then became the leadership for the next round. And in that leadership for the next round, we brought in an additional 20 house churches Having just finished up that second round, our goal is to open it up even more broadly uh, to the rest of the body, both those in-house churches and those not in-house churches this coming fall. And so that's kind of a, a brief history there. Joan or Mark, um, any comments on that history? Feel free to speak in. No, I think that's, that's pretty comprehensive. That tells the story. I would say the thing that was probably the most beneficial thing about the process was, you know, and this is in my own reflection, that there are um, kind of these three different, you know, philosophies of ministry that are popular in America. The long time standing one is traditional. And then the one that's been kind of shaped through the 50s, 60s, and up to the even now is moving from traditional to attractional. And I think in this kind of this third movement of kind of ways of doing church in America and in the world being missional. And I think that was one of the things that was really helpful about this process was it, it, it caused us to slow down and ask, um, are we consistent within our approach and our philosophy of ministry? So just kind of to open it up to you all, um, with that history of kind of and, and the concept of the learning community, how, how has it benefited you personally? I think for me, it's giving me a more of a gospel perspective. In other words, um, I'm learning to live out of my identity in Christ more than I ever have so that, uh, I'm not trying to perform on my own effort, but it's a realization that uh, uh, I'm in Christ. Christ has done all the work and covenant relationship with him. And now I can live out of that identity as his son. And um, he has given me the authority to uh, carry out his mission here on earth. So I think that's, that's been a big thing for me is just realizing who I am in Christ and then living out of that as my true identity and not trying to find my identity in, um, in performance, in how successful my house church is, um, how successful my ministry is, um, not trying to produce fruit 
in my own effort. Uh, so I think that's been pretty significant for me. Yeah, just to, you know, um, piggy off back that, Jay, I remember kind of life before the learning community, like, you know, BLC, <laughs> Apex mm-hmm. Time BLC or whatever, um, was there was a lot of burnout. There was a lot of just like people, you know, you would enter into a leadership experience as a house church leader. And because a lot of us were figuring out what to do and we didn't necessarily know what to do. Uh, and we were doing that out of our own effort and out of our own identity. And it just led to burnout left and right. What are, what are yeah. your thoughts, Mark and John? Or feel free to yeah. speak back into that. I can speak to that. I mean, when you said burnout, that's exactly where I had reached. I really didn't feel prepared or uh, trained in any way to uh, lead a community like this and felt, you know, that, well, it meant Bible study. So I had to get together a Bible study every week, which was, you know, nothing bad about it, but just trying to lead everybody to get to the same place every week with a bunch of questions was just frustrating because not everybody was on the same frequency. They were in different places in their lives. They had other issues they needed. And I really didn't have any skill base to do that. So there were many times that Joan will testify that I was like, I need to be done with this because this is just, you know, nobody responds and it's, you know, it's a lot of work and then nothing comes of it. And I really felt um, like there should have been more, training for us. And then the learning community came along and said, well, hey, there's training on all levels for yourself in your own personal growth. And then out of that as a leader, then lead others and uh, really, you know, helped me personally a great deal, as well as um, completely change the face of what we're doing in a house church. Yeah, I, I totally agree with everything both Jay and Mark have said. I think the thing that strikes me is we focus so much when we start the learning community on our identity in Christ and the character of God and the truth of what God has done through Christ and is doing through the work of the Holy Spirit. And uh, and it, it I think for all of us uh, who have participated in this process now for about four years, it's meant so much freedom, freedom from the shoulds, freedom from the have-tos, freedom from expectations of what others will bring to the table or do or whatever. Um, So, you know, focusing on God's character, his grace, his sovereignty, his goodness um, has helped us just to abandon expectations and let God be God. And that's meant a lot of freedom for, for all of us, I think. That's one of the things that has helped me talk to people and they're like, oh man, a whole weekend, what are we going to do now? Because they're already obviously overloaded. They were feeling overwhelmed and overloaded and now they want me to do this another thing. It's another thing on top. And I said, you know, the thing that it's done more than anything else, the learning community has actually been quite the opposite. It has lifted the burden and taken the pressure off because it really isn't up to me to push and force this and, you know, guide it through. It's, there are, there are scripture-based, gospel-based approaches for these things that can be of real value um, in making disciples and, and discipling yourself. So that, 
Yeah, the interesting thing is so much of what we have focused on is not new to any of us in the learning community, but connecting the dots, if you will, in a gospel fashion, you know, what is true of the gospel of Jesus Christ and how does it impact this particular situation has led to, uh, I think, greater fruit of the spirit in all our lives, as well as greater fruit just in terms of, uh, you know, what Jesus is able to do through us. I think another benefit for me is that um, there's a realization that we're in a community, that we're in a family, and that it's not it's not all about me. It's that, um, I don't have to um, lift all the weight on my own. That we're part of a family, and each of us has a role in that family. And uh, so living out of that identity as well and realizing that God speaks through his church. He speaks through his family. And when all we're doing is um, we're isolating ourselves from that community, we're not uh, seeing our blind spots. We're not relying on the full strength of the body of Christ. So I think being a part of this equipping community has uh, given me brothers and sisters uh, to speak into my life, to learn from them, for them to learn from me. Um, there's just more strength in that. There's, there's strength in that verse within the context of that unity. Yeah. And that reminds me too, Jay, of, the importance of how we've learned about Christ's gifts to the church and how he is working through all of us in community to present the fullness of who he is to the world and to each other. You just said that. Um, but I can share personally as a woman that, that I have experienced so much greater freedom to be who God created me to be. Um, in the churches, I knew the church before this teaching was like the most important gift. And, and I have some of that gift, uh, but a stronger gift for me is in the prophetic area. Well, that's not a gift that has been taught about much in the church. And, and um, I was actually uncomfortable even saying that about myself. So there's so much greater freedom for me to be a woman in ministry and to be operating as, as God has equipped me and called me to function. And, you know, the weaknesses that I brought to the table out of either ignorance or self-centeredness or whatever, that's got, you know, the, the spirit's been able to conform more to Christ just being in that community you talked about, Jay. So it's been, that's just been so beautiful to me over the past four years. I think for me too, um, Freedom to, I, I would say, uh, <clears throat> I, I tend to be a little bit more apostolic in my gift set. And so freedom to be sent, freedom to get to go. I, th I think that's been one of the coolest things is like, you know, in this community of discovery, this learning community, this, you know, as we're equipping others, it's just kind of like, yeah, let's, let's go and let's try that, you know. And I think all of us who've gone through this first round um, and then now the second round can attest the mistakes that are, have been made along the way. Um, but we've had a, a posture of grace with one another, uh, not one of judgment or condemnation. Um, 
but one of, of experimentation and entrepreneurship, you know, and that allows us to fail. You know, I, I, I go back to, you know, as we started the second round and, you know, that very first immersion that we had back in, gosh, what is that, 2017? Was that 2017? Yeah, sure. Two years ago. And, um, and it, was, it was good, but it was clunky. It was tough. And we innovated way too much. And, um, you know, and learning through that process of failing forward and teaching others to fail forward, you know, because that's the only way that you're going to, you know, make headway within the kingdom is that you're willing to risk things, that you're willing to step outside of your comfort zone. You know, and I think that's one of the things that we, we do within the learning community. One of the things that we ask three really basic questions at each immersion, what is, then discover what could be, and then finally decide as we listen to God's voice, what will be. And each one of those then requires you to go out of what is normal, to go out of what is comfortable, to take risks. And, and anytime that you take risks in the kingdom, that requires faith and grace. And so you're learning the gospel at levels you didn't even know that you needed it. You're learning the gospel at levels that, that go beyond just me and Jesus, you know, and, um, and you're learning your, and, 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 and life on mission as family is so much bigger than, um, just me and my knowledge of scripture. Yeah, I think that touches too an area of growth that I've seen in myself uh, as well as in Mark and me as a couple, and that is just a willingness to take risks. Um, because I know that we have both been risk averse in our lives. Well, when evangelism is not your primary gifting, then that that's taking a risk to reach out to people that maybe don't know the Lord, maybe haven't expressed an interest. But what what I've learned is I'm free to love them however the Lord shows me to love them. And I get to align myself with what the Lord could be doing in their lives. So again, it's just so much greater freedom even to love the people around me uh, that I've gained through this community. How have you guys seen um, the house churches benefit through this, this learning community experience? I, one thing I just, that, oh, go ahead, Jay. Yeah, one thing that comes to my mind is just, uh, and, and you guys already alluded to it, is this freedom to fail. Because I think it, as we've uh, been learning new concepts, as we've been, our, God has been reshaping our hearts. Um, I think many of the house churches have come to the point where they realize um, what we have is good, but there, we, there could be a better, there, there could be something better and more that God wants for us. Um, and so it kind of reminds me of uh, two years ago, um, my wife convinced me to, to, to put in a deck, but before I could put in the deck, I had to break up the concrete uh, and dig up the ground and take out the old windows and put it to put in a new patio door and um, to have something better. Sometimes there's a 
it takes a dismantling of your old ways of thinking, your old ways of doing things. So I think uh, in several cases, there have been house churches that have actually intentionally closed for the sake of renewed vision, for the sake of being more intentional with the gospel. Um, so that it may have been in cases where house churches were just gathering together a smattering of people from all over the region. And then they began to realize, well, I have a mission field um, and I've been living in community for the sake of me. Um, but what about my community? What if I was sent out? Um, and so in some cases it is, challenged people to go out of their house church to start new house churches or even to totally, um, you know, dismantle and start over again. There's been that renewed freedom. I, I just met with someone from another region yesterday and uh, in talking to her, I know that her house church has been studying the gifts that Jesus gives to the church for some time and she was just sharing the beauty of how the church is functioning, if you will, living life together in a much more united fashion, appreciating one another, as opposed to maybe being critical of one another or, you know, fearful of a gift that someone else had. And she was talking about just the rich prayer life that this church is developing. And that's all come through the equipping that the shepherds have had and they're bringing to the people so it was a really encouraging report. And we've experienced um, quite a prolonged time of investigating what family is all about. And that, and that was an interesting time for us because we quickly learned that family in each person's interpretation is very different than the others. So it, <clears throat> it required us to kind of investigate that and discuss and realize that we we come together as family and what might what might that look like especially in developing our identity in Christ and and that was a real challenge and still is a challenge for me uh, to try and understand who I am in in Christ at a fundamental level and that it's not just about me um, and and to live out in community individually, but also in community with others and uh, and what that might look like and what others might need in that setting. Yeah, I think along those lines too, we've been able to give handles, we've been able to give tools, we've been able to give intentional things. You know, <laughs> our very earlier days, we had the language of, you know, dynamic truth, nurturing relationships, apostolic mission as being the DNA um, of our house churches. But we didn't necessarily have, you know, the freedom or even figure out, you know, this, have the space to discover what those meant. It was just more like, hey, here, take this concept of up, in and out and go, go figure something out. Whereas what it is now is it's an intentional space for us to reflect on the up, the in, the out, on Sabbath and uh, work, for us to reflect on leadership development and reflect on mission. And so I think that's the thing that I've, I've noticed that's been extremely beneficial for the house churches is the degree to intentionality that they're entering into the life and mission of their house church family. 
Yeah, we have a, another house church in our region who were losing all of their leadership to moves uh, from this geographic area to another geographic area. And I think um, traditionally that would have resulted in a breakdown of the house church because there wouldn't have been anyone to step into the role of shepherding. Um, but what's happened, and it's been exciting to watch, is as the things that we've been learning in community have been brought into the house church, people are catching a vision for the priesthood of all believers and all of the church being a part of uniting to shepherd themselves. Um, it's been a really exciting paradigm shift that we've seen happen uh, in our in Region 5. So that's an example, too, of the growth we've seen. Yeah, I think just, you know, as we're going through, I'm sure you guys can say the same thing with the coaching huddles that you guys are a part of. So as these house churches are taking the new concepts and new ways of thinking and new ways of doing and new ways of being and putting them into practice within the life and mission of their house church, we discuss them on weekly coaching huddles, just like this call is doing, you know? Um, and you're seeing, you know, you know, people experiencing that freedom you know, there's one house church Kettering Collective where they have gone through, they realized, and it was all, you know, the Lord's timing with this, but they realized that, hey, we've been trying to do this leadership thing, just us as, you know, Tim and Chelsea Gwinden, and we want to bring others in. And so they took the, 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 the model of the huddle that we have been kind of giving them and they're like, hey, we're going to begin doing this now. And we're going to begin huddling up our own leaders. And so they're raising up leaders. But then they're also realizing, they were realizing at the same time, going back to your con, you know, this conversation about unity and diversity, they're realizing at the same time that there is a whole bunch of different expressions of, you know, the body of Christ within their, you know, house church of 20, 25 people. And, and so they began exploring Ephesians 4, you know, nine through 12 and talking about those that have been given to be apostles and prophets and evangelists and shepherds and teachers. And that, that you see so much movement toward mission because their house church has been free to engage, you know, what it is that God might be gifting them and, and, what we would call a base gifting and a, and a phase gifting. Um, and that house church is, is coming alive and people are joining it. Another example is, you know, we've honestly, <clears throat> one of those things that you, you know will happen because that's what happens when you intentionally invest in the leaders. But we're having more and more conversations now about planting new house churches, uh, you know, than, than we've had in a really long time. And so you're beginning to see, you're beginning to see that movement take place. And so, I think, you know, you guys are absolutely right. We, we first had to rediscover our personal identity. And then from that, our, 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 our familial identity. And then the way that then rolls out then is bringing others into the family and then raising them up to be spiritual moms and dads to the next generation. And, you know, the learning community being a space for, um, for people to do that. Yeah, if I might comment a moment on leadership development, Jason, that's a really good point you make because for years we were, we were multiplying house churches, but in terms of how to develop leadership and then plant healthy house churches, we were really kind of on our own. 
Yeah, it was kind of like a hit or miss out. before that. Yeah, and now we have a track to run on, you know, a way to train and equip leaders to multiply. It's, it's a positive development. I think another benefit has been the common language that yep. we've shared and developed, um, and it, it enhances um, equipping and leadership development. Um, you know, one of the concepts that um, we've been taught is to um, have both invitation and challenge. You know, Jesus invited the disciples into his life and created space for them and had relationship with them. But then he also challenged them and uh, sent them out. And uh, so having uh, both of those concepts uh, to get working together is the healthiest environment for discipleship to have both relationships and challenge, invitation and challenge within the house church context um, is the most fruitful culture for disciple making. But just to have a, a tool and a language like that to, to talk about those things and to hold one another accountable for things and to um, just speak into one another's um, culture or speaking to one another's house church environment uh, and, and to have those tools and language is helpful to accomplish that. Yeah. Language, language creates culture. I was just at a learning community in Atlanta with Mike and Chad this week and uh, kind of joking about, you know, if you, if you asked me, you know, before this experience, you know, what is house church life like at apex? I'd be like, well, here's a bunch of different ones. You don't want to just throw, throw a, <laughs> a dart at the map and I'll tell you how that one is versus another one. Cause they were all so different because we didn't have shared language. We didn't have shared vision. We didn't have shared practices. We didn't have shared values. And, you know, across the board for the house churches that have been part of the learning community, I think one of the cool things is they each have their differing expressions. Still, they still have their uniqueness. They, you still have their diversity, but there's also, you know, whereas before it was all diversity with no unity right? There's, there's a growing sense of unity now amongst the house churches, you know, because they're all going through not just the same thing together, but they're figuring out the same mission together, just what it looks like for them amongst their network and their neighborhood. Another thing that I think has been really beneficial, and this is, you know, I've, I've used this illustration before, but I'll, I'll say it again. Um, I use it, you know, just this past week, and it's still uh, it gets gets chuckles. So, but you know, when we were when we started this, you know, um, you guys have seen the movie Independence Day, and you know, in that movie, Will Smith, you know, captures an alien and he takes him down to the bunker of Area Fifty One, and while he's down there, he meets the scientists, and they find out that there's a ship down there, and the ship, um, the ship. Uh, has been laying dormant since it, you know, landed in Roswell, however many years ago. But ever since the aliens showed up, all the, all the lights and bells and whistles have gone off. And that's kind of the same thing, you know, since, you know, uh, the elders called Mike and Sally here, you know, they're kind of like our aliens that showed up that allowed all of the, the bells and whistles to go off. And uh, I just, I just use that illustration with folks down in Atlanta and Mike laughs. So I, I know I'm so good with that. Um, <laughs> they're not aliens because they're English. Um, <clears throat> um, everyone chuckled. You can't hear them because they all, all got themselves muted. Um, but 
you know, I would say one of the major bells and whistles that have gone off is just a slowing down and asking, what is it that God you're saying to me? And then what am I going to do about it? And that has led to a really renewed sense of, of just freedom and sentness. So kind of in closing, what, for the person who's listening to this, whether they're a house church shepherd, they're a disciple um, who may not even be plugged into house church and say you're just in the Dayton community or whatnot, um, or you are uh, at Apex, but you're not in a house church, uh, but you're interested in this kind of concept of living life as family on mission. Joan, Mark, and Jay, what word of encouragement would you give to someone who might be sitting on the fence about whether or not they should join this next round starting in the fall? I think I would say that learning to live out our faith practically is the greatest benefit of the learning community because so many of us know the scriptures, but we haven't been discipled. This is discipleship on the ground. Um, And so to have people who walk with us and talk with us along the way, who model for us and help us be accountable makes all the difference in the world. Yeah, I'd echo that. I I refer to it sometimes as uh, the gospel with dirty fingernails because, you know, it's, it's the gospel in everyday life. And the part about it is that it's very freeing to know your identity and to have practical ways to apply the gospel to every area of your life, which is just an incredible um, application of our walk with the Lord. It's great if you know, excuse me, know the scriptures, but um, unless you use them, it all becomes an academic intellectual exercise, which is so easy for me to fall into. But you know, actually having it act out so that there's application so that you really do grapple with the everyday, be that good, bad, or otherwise, uh, is so power empowering and freeing. That's what I'd encourage. Well, Jay, what about you? Yeah, I would say, you know, God has placed us into the body of Christ and each of us has the indwelling Holy Spirit. And, and as we come together uh, and, and everyone contributes the gifts that God has given them, the body is built up. You know, that's what we see in Ephesians 4. And um, in Ephesians 4, we're challenged uh, to equip the body to do the works of ministry And I think this is a perfect opportunity for us to come together, be equipped uh, by the work of the Holy Spirit through the diverse gifting of the body of Christ. And in the end, God does the work of building up the body of Christ. So it's, I think it's a great opportunity for us to, to fully engage as God has instructed us to as the body of Christ. Yeah, I've heard one of the things I've heard over and over again with you all is just this whole concept of freedom, you know, so um, it's for freedom that Christ has set us free. You know, if we are delivered from the domain of darkness and into the kingdom of the everlasting light and of the sun, that is nothing but freedom. If you're listening yeah. to this today and you're not experiencing freedom in your life, if you're not experiencing the fullness of what God has for you. 
And that freedom is expressed just through personal battles with sin or doubt or fear or shame. That, 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 that lack of freedom is expressed in our house churches through guilt and conflict and, um, you know, uh, infighting and gossip and lack of movement, lack of feeling of family, um, feeling sterile, feeling bored, as opposed to feeling activated, empowered and sent, you know, that lack of freedom is seen, you know, in our broader communities and culture as God's people are not taking his ways of justice and mercy of love, light and life into the world and seeking the renewal of the streets and the cities of our communities, whether that's, you know, the, the ones that have been, you know, affected deeply by heroin or there are suburban, you know, folks who think that everything is good as it is. And, you know, they just retreat to their homes and wave to their neighbors. And it's nothing more than that. Jesus came to create community where community didn't exist. And that's what, um, that's what the task of every Christian is. And that's what we explore in the learning community. So this upcoming fall, we'll be having um, our third round of the learning community of the equipping community starting uh, save the date for October 12th and 13th. We'll be exploring this whole concept of family on mission. How do we, as family, as spiritual family, as nuclear families even, live life, not just family and mission, as if it's their two separate things, or, you know, uh, uh, family as mission, but family on mission. And so we'll be exploring that concept Mike and Sally will be um, doing a lot of the training and teaching through that. And so that is open to the whole of the Apex body. Uh, so if you've already gone through the first round of the learning community, we'll have a special kind of track for you. Uh, if you are a house church and you have not gone through, we'll have a special track for you. And if you're just an everyday disciple who's not connected to house church, but uh, is intrigued by this way of life and, and, and wants to learn more, we'll have a special track for you. So save the date for October uh, 12th and 13th of this fall, 2019, and uh, you'll hear more about it, I'm sure, as, uh, as, as the time comes near. Thanks, guys. Uh, thanks, Joan and Mark and Jay. Thank you for your faithfulness, and uh, God bless you all.